0: like you said it's kind of like kind of like beating a horse already but you know 2020 is vision and it's not only a new year it's a new decade a new decade to be honest with you I thought Jesus would have come back by now I'm kind of disappointed (laughs) serious. You know, if I'm, if I'm serious, I remember reading about the, the blood moons way back when and thinking, I don't even know if I need to worry about that because that's so far off in the future. We'll probably be raptured by then. And here we are way past that and we're moving on in life. And But God has a plan and God has things for us to do. And there's still a work for us to be done at this time. And that's why we're, we're still here. Um, I know that Paul in Philippians, he writes, you know, I would rather die and be with the Lord but and i 'm hard pressed between the two whether I should go to heaven or stay here, but I know that i 'm going to stay here because it 's more needful for you his his people that he was congregating with and, and ministering to, and we still have work to do here there 's still souls that need to be saved. I believe that God has on his heart and on his mind a great revival in this hour I you know was looking at some things and um, there was a great move of God in the 70s. It was the Jesus movement. I believe it, it coincided with uh, troubles that were going on in the Middle East. That um, when Israel actually occupied Jerusalem at that time, it was 1967. I was reading something the other day that was talking about a great outpouring of God that took place in 1948. What was another. Um, you know, when Israel was recognized as a state for the first time in almost 1900 years, and this was the first time, and there was a move of God, there was like healings, and there was tent revivals, and there was a big move of God at that time, and you know, we're watching the things that are happening in the news right now, and for those of you who are paying attention, what's going on is very crucial, and this tension that we're seeing in the Middle East, and this strike that we did on Soleimani, that was very, very uh, big news. And if you watch um, mainstream media, you would think that our president is a demon for doing that. Maybe we should have sent a few pallets of cash over there to appease those people again. (laughs) And it's like instead we sent him a a reaper missile. And, you know, we're not violent. I don't like violence. I don't like, but there's also how far do you push a, a, a nation? And these are all really important things because he was conspiring to, um, go against this nation, and he actually is responsible for a lot of uh, people, a lot of Americans getting killed. You know, and you can't appease that mentality. You cannot appease that mentality. I don't know if you guys know history, but um, during World War II, um, Hitler was on a rampage, and he was uh, saber-rattling, and he was threatening all of Europe, and he was very expansionist, and the British didn't want to get into war with with, uh, Hitler. Some of them did, some of them didn't. And there was a person named Neville Neville Chamberlain who was their, you know, uh, foreign minister and he was over there and he was trying to negotiate with Hitler and he came out, came back from the continent and he he came back with Britain with good news. He goes, we're going to have peace in our time. And the Nazis were like laughing at him because they were, they were bent on taking over all of Europe. And we know how that turned out. There's evil in this world and evil needs to be addressed. And I thank God that we have a president that was able to address that evil and take the heat from that because that was the right thing to do. We know that they did have a reprisal. They did a, a second strike and basically they called the uh, Iraqis and said, we're going to shoot some missiles over there. And basically everybody went in the bunkers and praise God, nobody died. It was almost a face saving effort on their heart, on their part. We will continue because these people are, are, they have this ancient hatred. They call the United States, the great Satan, and they call Israel, the little Satan. They said death to America first, and then we're coming for Israel. If you know the Bible prophecies, you know that we're living in a very strategic time in history where you're seeing these allies, uh, they're all gathered together in Syria right now. You see Russia, Turkey, and um, uh, Iran all gathered together. It's just like what the Bible says in the Ezekiel 38 war, and never before was that alliance in place. So we're seeing things really, the tumblers on this lock all coming in and falling into place. When's this going to happen? I don't know. I don't know when this is. I, I remember how many years people saying, could this be the Ezekiel 38 war? Could this be the Ezekiel 38? People have been anticipating this war for a long time, but it's all the pieces are falling into place as we speak. That's why... Bible prophecy is very important. It's a timepiece that lets you know what's going on in the world so that we're not clueless, that we have vision that we understand where we're at, where we're going, where we've been, this word has been proven to be true, we're projecting out in the future, we're looking down the line and saying well God says this is going to look like when he comes back, this is what's going to happen before that and so we can have confidence if we understand the past prophecies that were fulfilled in the word that we can project forward and say with confidence that God's word will be fulfilled in the future, amen? Can we say that with confidence? I believe we can. And not only that, it's exciting to see if you have your glasses on, if you're looking at the world through a biblical worldview, to see what's going on it shouldn't inspire fear what it should do is inspire us to draw closer to the Lord that's the way that's the affair. that's why you know I I believe my mandate in this church if there's anything that I can say what my job is the pastor of this church is I am the shepherd of this church I'm trying to prepare this bride for the coming of the Lord because he is coming And I find it amazing that there's some churches that don't even talk about this topic and the Bible is about one quarter to one third on this topic of the prophetic events, the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. There's double the amount of or more written about the second coming of Christ than there was about his first coming. So it's very specific. There's a lot of specific things that we can look at and say wow that's that I could see how that ties into right now. We see this massive earthquake that hit the Puerto Rican island and basically those those guys just got out from under a massive uh, hurricane that devastated. I met, I met a lady on the plane when we went to the mainland last time and I said, how is it in the Puerto Rico? She's a Puerto Rican lady. She said, and I just left there, they just recently got their electricity on and it was like over a year, you know, a long time, almost two years I think, and they finally got their electricity, now hit, hit by a six point something earthquake, their power grid slammed, nobody got elect- or a lot of people out of electricity on the island. I mean, there's this, this stuff just goes on and on and on all around the world. And he says that as we come closer to the return of Christ, it's like the world is going to go through birth pangs. It's not global warming. That's what the world would want to say. You got to pay us tax because it's global warming, that the environment screwed up, that the weather is violent, that we're getting floods, we're getting droughts. It's global warming. Pay us some money. It's not that. It says in the Bible, it says because sin is heavy on the world, heavy on this planet, that God will withhold the rain, that it'll even destroy the animals. You see the animal die-offs that are going around. This is all happening right now. And it, like I said, it shouldn't inspire fear in us. It should inspire us to draw closer to the Lord. There's a, that's the vision that I want to give this year. This is something I came across um, in my studies this week. And uh, those of you who are familiar with uh, Strong's Concordance, that you can look up. Uh, Bible words in the Bible, or you know, Bible words, and every Bible word, whether in the Old Testament in Hebrew or the New Testament in Greek, has a number to it. So you can look up any word in the Bible, and then there's a reference number, and you look that thing up, and then you'll find the definition of that that word. And somebody somebody did this, and they took the numbers twenty twenty instead of looking for a word, they used the number twenty twenty. And this is interesting what it says in the Strong's Concordances. And I'll butcher this word because it's not familiar. It's in Hebrew, it's Hatzan La something like that, Hudson Law, and it it says to rescue or deliverance is what that uh, 2020, the number of the word in Hebrew, and it's also, it's a root from 5337, normally to go in depth of a word, if you just don't want the surface on that, they have a reference in there, so you can go to another word in the Hebrew, and it'll give a little bit more uh, understanding of what that possibly could mean, and it goes on in in five three seven three three seven. it says Natsal, or Natsal, Prime root to snatch away, whether in in a good or in a bad sense, deliver, self, escape, without fail, part, pluck, preserve, recover, rescue, save, spoil, strip, surely take out. That's an interesting translation of that word that's tied into the first one of 2020. Now, is that Bible? Not necessarily. I mean, that, I'm not going to you know, build a doctrine on that. But I find it interesting that these two words are the very words that would uh, presage a, a, the word rapture. The rapture means, in the Greek, it means to violently take something away. To pull. Actually, rapture is a Latin word. But if you study that, you break it down, it means to... Um, Uh, take out violently. It's called the harpazo in the Greek. I have it written down in my Bible. Let me read what this says. Now, is this the year of the rapture? I don't know. I wish it was. I hope it is, but I don't know for sure. We could, you know, like I said, I thought we'd be gone out of here a while ago, so we just need to be patient. But the thing is, our gaze has to be fixed on God because he could come back at any time. It says um, this word in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will ride first, and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall always be with the Lord. And the word for caught up is harpazo, to catch up, to grasp hastily, to snatch up, to lift and transport, uh, to order rapture. So it's very close to that second word that I said in the Hebrew, which I find interesting. That was just something interesting. I thought the you know the, the word that we've been looking at here is vision. We've been looking at vision, and um, you know, in the book of Habakkuk, we're all f- familiar with that book in the minor prophets in the Old Testament. And um, Habakkuk is told to write the vision and make it plain. And um, let me get there. Habakkuk. I always get these these minor prophets confused in here, Habakkuk chapter two and what what um, precedes the chapter two is the fact that he 's looking at life in Israel at that time and they're surrounded by enemies who can't stand them and they're prospering in what they're doing they're getting over these enemies are coming against Israel and nothing's happening to them and he was wondering what's the deal with this man they're they're um you know they're calling on their their foreign gods and they're prospering and they're 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 doing these things and and he was wondering God what are you going to do so he 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 says this in chapter two he was asking the question he says I will stand watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when, I, when I'm corrected. So he was wanting to have a perspective on this. What, what's, what's the take on this, God? And this is what the, uh, the Lord said to him. It says, the Lord answered and he said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So God is saying that, you know, I'm sure that each one of us in this place has had God speak something to our lives, or we had intentions, or we had, um, we thought something was going to take place in a certain time, and it didn't take place when we thought it would take place. Can I get a witness of that? Amen. Amen? Where it was, took longer than what we thought. It was like, man, I thought this would have been done already, but yet we're waiting on it. And what he's saying here for us to keep a fixed gaze upon this written word of God, because God is faithful, and even though it may take longer than what we're anticipating, know with confidence that God's word can be banked. We know that if he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth. That's part of the gospel message. It's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But the second half of that is he's coming again. That when we see the mess that this world is in, we don't want to be cavorting with the things of this world because that's going to burn up. As as Peter says in his epistle, he says, because all these things are going to be, All these things that we see are going to be dissolved. He said before there was judgments that came to pass to Sodom and Gomorrah to um, the, the flood, the first flood of Noah, that flood that just destroyed the earth because of the wickedness of men. And it says that some people count God as he's soft or he doesn't mean what he says, but he says God's not soft, but he's long suffering, not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. That's where we come in. We're a witness of that truth right there. We know the Lord and we should be willing to share. Share that knowledge with other people. And I think as we see this world get more rocked, the the hearts of people might be more receptive to hear the message of there is hope in Christ. He is coming back. He's going to set up a kingdom that cannot be shaken because the word in Hebrew says everything that can be shaken will be shaken to only those things that cannot be shaken may remain. And we're seeing that right now. We're, re- we're living relatively good right now. You got to say, economy is doing good. Stock market never been this high. Unemployment rate is down. We're looking pretty good right now. But things could change. You know, things could change. We have to keep our focus upon the Lord because the Lord is consistent. The Lord is stable. Following after the Lord. There's a lot of distractions out there. I got distractions, man. My phone is a major distraction for me. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times I'm reading the Word and I go, well, let me just look that up on the phone and start looking up stuff. And next thing I'm like, oh, let me check this. Let me check that. Let me check that. And I'm not looking at the Bible. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's irritating. We didn't have these things before just a few years ago. Now I can't get along without it. I need it. It's my friend. It's an idol, is what it is, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Lord help me yeah. to repent. Yeah? I mean it is, man. It steals a lot of our time, man. I'm first and foremost. I love it because it's instant uh information. I wanna know we want to know something just to oh look how smart I am. You know, we can Google anything. You know it's better when we study God's word and He gives us a revelation in our heart? That's better. But this is a counterfeit and I'm subject to it. I'm confessing right now. We need to get into the word of God at the very end of this chapter, this is what the prophet says. It says, uh, verse seventeen of chapter three. It says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines; though the labor of the olive tree may fail, though the fields yield no food, no food; though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and it will make me to walk on the high hills. Hallelujah. That that's how steadfast God is. For us not to be shaken by our circumstances, by the things that we're seeing going on in the world, but that should drive us, help us, Lord, to be driven closer to you, and to have confidence that you know exactly what's going on. And in fact, Jesus said, I'm telling you these things beforehand, so that when we do take place, that you're not troubled that you know that I know it's in, I'm in charge of this. I made it happen. I'm making it happen. It's not falling apart. It's all falling into place. Everything is just kind of filtering down to this place where God is, um, is showing us. So the, po- the point of this message about vision is what are we looking at? You know, there's so many things that out there like, oh, that got my attention. And we are Vera course, and it's just like, you know, riding a bicycle or driving a car. You know, I go around that, that hairpin turn by, uh, where Brady, where you guys live over there, and there's that gulch. It's a real hairpin turn, and I notice that when I go around that turn, I'm not looking ahead of me like this when I make that turn. I got my head turned like that, looking at the pivot point of that turn, and it's a real smooth turn coming around. Where we got our focus is where we're going. Where we got our eyes is where we're going to go. You know, John Bevere said in his marriage thing, he says, you know, you could, you could be riding a bicycle and there's a rock in the middle of the road and you're just staring at that rock. Oh, there's a rock there. There's a rock The Next thing, boom, you hit it with your bike and you fly over the handlebars because where your focus is is where you're going. Instead of saying, I got a lot of road over there, let me swear, you know, swerve around this thing. So our focus needs to be on the things that are eternal, on the things of God. Our vision has to be on the Lord right now. He says, when you begin to see these things that are taking place in the earth, lift up your head, look up, because a redemption draws nigh, Luke 21. He's talking about all the things that we're seeing taking place right now, and he's giving us confidence that he goes, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We're already overcomers if we're in Christ, but let's get our position solid in that. That it's not in question that circumstances will veer us off or cause us to fear or jump off or quit or want to quit. Right now, we don't want to do that. Amen? There's nothing to quit to. You know, he says, Peter says, seeing that all these things are going to be dissolved, everything that we see here is going to be burned up. What manner of persons ought we to be in godly conduct and character? How should we be right now? Because are we being prepared for our heavenly uh, citizenship in heaven by the way we react now? Or are we pretty much dug in right here? That's pretty good. You know, I got my big screen TV. It's all good. I'm, I'm hanging out. You know, or we look in for, we're looking, we're sojourners. We're passing through this. We got a light touch in this world. My place is in heaven. My name's written in there. I got an appointment in heaven. Help us, Lord, this year to refocus on who we truly are. What are the things that are eternal? What are the things that are going to go through that fire? What's going to last into eternity? Amen? It says this in Proverbs 29:11, where there is no vision, This is in the Amplified Version. It says, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained, but happy and blessed are those who keep the law of God. If I tell you right now that we're all driving down the road, but in about 15 miles, the bridge is absolutely out. And I'm telling you right now, And this road is you're accustomed to driving 60 miles an hour on this road. What would be your response to that kind of information? Slow down. Watch. Watch for that thing is out. And that's the the, the thing about the word. This this is what the, the word in Proverbs says. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God, of his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed are those who keep the law of God. We need to fear the Lord. We need to esteem His word. This is what He says in His word. Therefore, I conduct my worldview, I conduct my affairs, I conduct my business in accordance to what God says. That's the long-term plan. Amen. There's other things that we, there's many other things that we need to do. We need to raise families. We need to pay the bills. We need to take care of our business. We need to do these things. These are all important, but that's the master plan. That's the master view of life. The long view of God of things that are going on is. That Jesus Christ is coming back. And we're seeing the things that are happening around the world. And it looks like he's coming back soon. Do I know when? No, I don't know when. But is it going to be soon? I believe it is. And I think that if anybody is a thinking adult, there's even people who aren't believers. And they realize there's something wrong here. You know, when it's, there's so many, it's a disaster of the week. Boom, boom, boom. You can't even keep up with it already. You know, the things that are going on. And the Lord said, I believe he's trying to shake the world to get our attention, to focus on what's eternal, what's going to last. And the things of God are what transcend this world. Amen. It's like I said last week, you know, my wife posted that picture of me with that thing on my head, the virtual reality. It looked ridiculous with that on. But are we living in a virtual reality or are we living in a real reality? Where this thing is not obscuring our view, it's, wow, look, I, you know, I'm skiing right now. You know, and you got this thing on your head, I'm skiing, or I'm shooting, or I'm, I'm driving a car in virtual reality. But in real life, you're just in a room somewhere. Or are we, uh, are we cognizant? We take this thing off and we see, whoa, whoa, I was blind, but now I really see what's going on. Are we those people? I believe if we have the Word of God in our heart, we have Jesus Christ in our heart, we have a a biblical worldview, that's who we are in Christ. We have the real understanding of what's going on. Do you watch the news and get frustrated because it seems like there's two worlds going on here? What you seem to believe is reality and what's being perceived on the TV. If you're agreeing what's on the TV and the news, we need to talk because it's a mess. A lot of propaganda, a lot of lies. Don't believe what's going on in the news, man. They're feeding us all kinds of lies. It's crazy, man. It's really crazy. We should be looking for uh, biblical-based information, people who fear God and not, uh, don't have an agenda to lie to you to give you the news that you, you want to know this is the truth. Amen? There's a lot of stories out there, but what is the truth? You know, I was talking about today, I was asking Caleb, his a mechanic. I said, you know anything about bank one sensor ones on a car? It's an O2 sensor on your exhaust and my my check check, um, check, the engine light has been on for like three or four years because they just don't want to replace that sensor. It's it too much. It costs too much for a stupid little sensor. It's almost close to 200 bucks. I don't want to do it. And so I'm going through, how do you fix a, a bank one sensor one? And somebody had a great idea. So it looked like a Russian dude. I should have known right then. But anyway, he says, get some lemons, crush them, put them in a, in a jar, and then you put that sensor in there for 12 hours and that'll fix it. It'll eat up all the carbon on there, and your bank one, sensor one, put it back in, and I pull the battery, put it back on, alright, the light is off, thank you Jesus, as soon as I said thank you Jesus, boom, the light goes back on. (laughs) Hallelujah. It didn't do it. You can't believe everything you see is what I'm saying. You can't believe everything. I mean, I tried and there was other things I did off of YouTube that did work, you know what I mean? It did work. This one didn't work, so if anybody anybody. (laughs) (laughs) they call it the idiot light and so if something really goes bad with my truck right now i'm not going to know about it you know i mean a bank one sensor one eh, it's just regulating the amount of gas something but i don't know caleb am i doing damage to my truck we're not fixing that not really probably not getting as good a gas mileage the point of that is don't believe everything you see don't believe everything you hear test it i tested it and it didn't work this word can be tested but it will work the word can be tested it can be trusted amen and our faith in god it will be tested we go through trials and it says for us to be strengthened through those trials so that we can endure even more So that we can be a witness of the faithfulness of God. If it was all happy, happy, joy, joy, it's all roses and, you know, butterflies. You know, what kind of faith is that? But if you've gone through something and you've retained your faith, that has some weight to it. It's like, wow, how did you do that? Well, because God is faithful. I saw too much. He's faithful. I know he's true to his word and I believed him and it came out this way. We have a good ending here. Each one of us, where our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that doesn't mean that we're not going to see stuff. You know, there was I was commenting on a, a Perry Stone did a thing about the. Um, pre-tribulation rapture which is what I'm a believer in. I've studied it quite a bit and there's a big controversy right now. A lot of people ab- abandoning the idea. It's like, no, I don't believe that. I believe in a mid-tribulation. I believe in a post-tribulation rapture that after we go through all the turmoil in the book of Revelation, if you've ever read it for yourself, it's pretty frightening and then we, we Jesus comes back with, with everybody else and we go up and we meet him in the sky and then we do a U-turn and come back to the earth and I'm like, I don't know, that sounds kind of weird to me, man. You know? And there's different views on this, different views. And so, what I wrote about it, I said this. I said, I believe that Jesus promised, that he said, I have not appointed my church to wrath. Now... He also said this, he says, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He says that, right? And then he also says, people say, but I believe in a midpoint tribulation. I believe that's where God's wrath is poured out upon the church. But in the book of, in Revelation, it says in chapter, where he starts breaking the seals, it says that the wrath of the Lamb is being poured out on the earth at that point. Some people said, the church is going to be here during that time. Then we're going to be subject to the wrath of Christ. I don't believe it. I believe that God says, I have not appointed my church to wrath. There is people who are being martyred for the faith right now. There is people who are being martyred for the faith and they're blessed. And there's a crown that comes with that. But as a whole body of believers i believe that god is going to deliver his church before and i said this is what it says about the tribulation period that it's like we're standing on the ocean and there's a massive storm out in front of us and we can see it but is it moving quickly is it coming in we can see this wall of clouds that's moving our way and i said that we as believers in christ are never guarantee a smooth a smooth life. He never guaranteed that. But he also said, I have not delivered my church to wrath. And it says that this tribulation period, if you can think of World War II, the um, Civil War, all the turmoils that happened in the world, even, I think he's even including the flood possibly, he says there's no time like this nor will there ever be a time like this again. It's that bad. You don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I want to be in Christ. I want to be where he wants us to be. Amen. That's what I want for this church. I want us to be focused. I want us to be, uh, my heart is set on the Lord. I got a light touch in this world. If he comes back tomorrow, hallelujah, let Let's go that should be our mindset we shouldn't be caught up in the mess of this world because there's a lot of mess going on right now there's a lot of deals being offered here take this take that just sell out just come with us we don't want to do that amen we want to be focused on the things of God because that's what he said he said it would look like this if we want to know the future you want to have a long-term view on things read the book of Revelation Read the book of Revelation. I don't like reading it. It's scary. But you know what? It's good because we win in the end. It might look really dark, but Jesus Christ is triumphant. We're triumphant in Christ, in his church. We are triumphant in that. Not only that, it's the only book in the Bible that says if you want to be blessed, read this book. Read this book. And I believe what it does for us as a people, as a church, it's like shooting a gun. You know, if I have a gun over here, those of you who are familiar with shooting rifles or pistols, there's a front sight and there's a rear sight on that. Try shooting a gun with only the front, the, the rear sight. You can point it anywhere and think, oh, I'm, I'm aiming at it properly. But when you use the book of Revelation in conjunction with the, all the other scriptures where it's a terminus point of the Bible, you can line that thing up and say, this is where this thing is headed. And you can have assurance that this is where it's headed. This is what God says is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Amen. So the point of this sermon is this. Let's get our vision upon Christ. Let's get a biblical worldview on things. Let's be solid in that. Let's have confidence in God. Let's let it inspire faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we hear about these things that are happening, it inspires faith in me. Because I said, man, the Lord talked about this thousands of years ago in his prophets. Here it's happening right now. It's happening right now. These things should inspire our faith. It should make us homesick. It should get us not so concerned about the things of this world, but have our view elevated to the return of Christ. Like I said, there's many other things we need to do. It's not just we just focus on that. There's other things, but that, I would say, is the master view that we should be looking at right now. Amen? Let's pray.